1: Today I'm going to start this new series of messages entitled, The Point of the Story. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest preacher that ever lived, decided to teach by a story, by a riddle, by an illustration. Why? Because a story can help to bring a theory into practice. A story helps us to understand an abstract idea and put it into real life. A story helps us to illustrate a destined thought and make it practical. And that is why he taught with a story.
0: Jesus taught using what we often now call parables. Stories with cultural and spiritual meanings to bring a truth to life. Some of these stories leave people scratching their heads, wondering what did Jesus mean by that? Hello and welcome to Leading the Way, with pastor and author of the recent best-selling book, Is the End Near? Dr. Michael Youssef. Up next, his new audio series, The Point of the Story. You see, combining an upbringing in the Middle East with a seminary education, years of pastoring, and a deep passion for teaching the Word of God, Dr. Youssef brings you practical insight into the parables Jesus taught. Today, a look at the wheat and the tares. Listen with me now as Dr. Michael Youssef begins this episode of Leading the Way Audio.
1: Counterfeiting! is as old as creation. Counterfeiting has been in existence throughout history. Counterfeiting, I think, is a problem that is going to be with us until Jesus comes back. It's never going to go away. Counterfeiting does not only exist in the area of currency or precious stones. Counterfeiting also exists in people. How many times probably you've heard it, and if you haven't, I'm going to tell you that you hear people say, boy, I thought I knew him. I thought I knew her. And they're mainly referring to a person who have conducted themselves in a certain way, uh, that they have uh, lived and behaved in a certain manner for a period of time, and then all of a sudden they see a contrary behavior than the one that they've exhibited for a period of time. I have known people who have, shown in every way that they are committed to Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden they abandon the faith. There are people even in the ministry who give every appearance that they are called of God. And then all of a sudden, not only abandon the ministry, but abandon the faith and bring disgrace to the name of God. Now, I'm not talking about sin or moral failure that causes a person to step down from a ministry. I'm talking about a person abandoning the faith. But I do thank God for one thing is that this is a rare occurrence. It is not too common, thank God. But it teach me this that the real and the fake can be indistinguishable. That the true and the imitation can be frighteningly similar that we can't tell the difference between the real and the counterfeit, and it's happening more and more in our day. And I don't know why that the discernment has seemed to vanished. And maybe because these people wear the mask right, maybe because they play the role perfectly, maybe because they use the right language and the right terminology. But that's precisely the point of that parable. That is, in Matthew 13, we refer to as the weeds and the tear, or the weeds and the weeds. And today I'm going to start this new series of messages entitled, The Point of the Story. Because there is a point to every parable that Jesus gives us. One key point, and then other principles to be learned. In this particular parable, it is somewhat easier, because Jesus not only tells the parable, but he also tells us what it means. The Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest preacher that ever lived, decided to teach by a story, by a riddle, by an illustration. Why? Because a story can help to bring a theory into practice. A story helps us to understand an abstract idea and put it into real life. A story helps us to illustrate a destined thought and make it practical. And that is why he taught with a story. Most of you have been listening to me for a while know that seldom do I preach a sermon without telling you some sort of an illustration or a story in order that you might remember it and remember the text. I don't make the story to be the sermon, as some people do, but I make it to be an illustration of the text so you remember what the Word of God said. And in Matthew 13, Jesus tells two groups of parables, The first group of parable is that he tells to the vast crowd and then he reserves the explanation of it to the disciples. And he only tells them what it means. The second group of illustrations he tells to the disciples alone, only to their ears, because that some things only the disciple of Jesus Christ must know and must understand. And if this is the parable that Jesus tells to the crowd but he reserves the explanation of it. He tells them the story, but then the point of the story is only told to those who are his followers, the disciples. If you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew 13, beginning at verse 24. The story is simply this. There's a farmer who owns a vast piece of land. And in the normal way of agriculture of those days, he would work hard, letting the blade cut into the soil, and prepares it, and opens it up, if you like, for the seed to come in. So after he prepares the soil, he goes around putting the seed. Now, this is not a machine going around throwing seed to hundreds of acres in one day. This was all done on foot. Probably had the, the, the seed somewhere in, in, in a pouch in his pocket. And he'll be going around throwing the seed. And he keeps walking back and forth, getting some more seed and spreading it around. And by nighttime, he is bone tired. The farmer is tired, so he rests at night. What happens during the night while he was resting? An enemy comes in who hates him so much. And he comes in with some seed that looks exactly like the wheat. In some translation, tear, weed, or darnel. What it means is a seed that looks exactly like the wheat. So if the farmer wakes up in the morning and he starts looking around, even though the some of the seed hasn't made its way all the way to the ground and he can see it on the surface, he cannot tell the difference. So the enemy comes at night and he sows counterfeit seed, Look alike wheat. I want you to focus with me here on five things in this particular story. Number one, I want you to focus on the field. Secondly, the two sowers... Thirdly, the two crops. Fourthly, the two questions that the servants ask. And finally, the two harvests. Now, there are some writers, when you think about the field, there are some commentators, for a reason that is known to them, I'm going to tell you what it is, have said that the field is the church. (laughs) And the reason they said the field is the church is because they want to tell you that the church is not supposed to be a holy and righteous and pure body of Christ. That the church must include everybody, those who believe, those who don't believe, everybody comes in. And the church is not supposed to be the bride of Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you that it's totally erroneous. And not because Michael Yusuf said it's erroneous, it's because Jesus Christ said this is erroneous. Look at verse 38 of Matthew 13. Jesus said, the field is the world. He didn't say it's the church. They need to go back to school and learn how to read. God owns the world, and that's the point Jesus is making here in that story. The first point of the story is that his daddy owns the world. This is my father's world. The devil has no right in this world whatsoever. He likes to think that he does. He tried, and he continues to try to convince people that he has right to this world, but he has no right In fact, the Bible said that he is the God of this world only as far as those who are under his domain are concerned. But this is God's world. He made it. He put it together. He owns it all. And one day soon, he will demonstrate his ultimate power. He'll demonstrate his ultimate authority. He will demonstrate his ultimate ownership upon this world when he comes back. Secondly, Jesus tells of two sowers. And he distinguishes between them so clearly that there is no doubt in anyone's mind. Jesus is the first sower. He is the one who owns the field. This is his farm. He owns it. He plants in the daylight without fear and hesitation. He plants in truth. He plants in honesty. And he plants in hard work. He plants good, real, precious Seed that has value. Satan is the second sower. He doesn't own the land. He's a usurper. The land belongs to somebody else. He is the enemy of the landowner. He is the enemy of the landlord. So he sneaks in at nighttime. He sneaks in secret when nobody is watching, when people are resting. And he sneaks in and he sows cheap, worthless, look-alike type of wheat seed that is nothing but weeds. And imitation has no value whatsoever. Have you ever stopped for a moment and thought about how this parable is worked out in our society today? Have you thought how when the Lord Jesus Christ sows genuine love that Satan comes in alongside and he sows on the same field, he sows cheap sentimentality, fuzzy warmness. When Christ sows true compassion, but Satan comes in and he sows feel-good type of good work. And people of God can't distinguish between the two. Christ comes and sows profound faith and trust in his Father, his supernatural power, and his powerful hand. Satan comes in and he sows faith in oneself. Believe in yourself. Christ sows personal purity, righteous living. Satan comes in and he sows, if it feels good, do it. He sows If it doesn't hurt somebody else, it's all right. While Christ is sowing the seed of biblical and theological truth, Satan comes in and he sows the seed of secular and pragmatic logic. The two sowers could not be more different to the discerning. Then thirdly, there are two distinct crops or products of the sowing. The Son of God sows wheat in the fields. The enemy comes in and he sows lookalike wheat, but it's weed. And this is an incredibly diabolical trick. You see, Satan does not sow the wicked among the wicked. That's too obvious. They're not doing much damage. But he sows the wicked among the good. (laughs) Satan's action is motivated by pure Malice. And hatred toward the Lord Jesus Christ. But Satan does not only sow false seed out of pure malice and hatred to the landowner, but he sows this false seed as a form of revenge. Now, I want to give you a little bit of historical background. Back then, it was common. If a farmer has an enemy, <laughs> the enemy does not necessarily go out and kill him, but he waits until nighttime. In fact, he waits until the season when the ground is already moved from being fallow to being prepared for planting. And then he waits for the very day that the farmer goes out and put his seed out there. And then he comes at night and he puts his counterfeit seed. That was such a crime, insidious crime back then, that the Roman government instituted a special punishment in their law books against that because it ruins the whole year of livelihood for the farmer, because it takes so long to discover. (laughs) You heard the term that I won't get mad, but I get even? (laughs) It comes from Satan. He's the one who coined those words. (laughs) And this is how he thinks he can get even with the landowner. But then there is the wheat, the good, precious seed. (laughs) In the parable of the sower, in Matthew 5, 1, And following the seed was the word of God. And here in this particular parable, the wheat is the good seed because it is the product of that precious word of God. And when the word of God is received, when the word of God is understood, when the word of God is obeyed, it produces children of the kingdom who are good wheat. I want you to listen to me very carefully, please. This is very important as I apply this story to your life and to mine. The Lord has Purpose to sow his redeemed into the world of sin, in the world of sorrow, and in the world of suffering. Someone would say, why on God's earth that God would allow this? Why wouldn't be just different over here and this crowd here? everything sort of look different so we can tell the difference? So that you and I may bear fruit, much fruit. So that you and I may be a witness in the midst of the weed. So that you and I may be a light in the darkness. So that we may declare His marvelous deeds. And I want to tell you, if you feel in your heart you are unhappy and miserable because of where you are right now, I want to remind you that you did not plant yourself unless you are there as a result of sin in where you are. But God has planted you there. And he has planted you where you are for a purpose. He has planted you there for a reason. The sower has planted you. And your resistance and complaining and moaning and sulking about where you are planted is not honoring God one bit. Find out why you're planted where you're planted. And whichever corner God has planted you in that field, you'll find yourself sown in there, Jesus has planted you there in order that you may bear fruit. And that brings me fourthly to the two questions that the servants have asked the landlord. Two general questions. First question is, sir, did you not sow good seed in the field? Where did the bad seed come from? Second question. Do you want us to go down into the field and pull up, dig out? All the weeds. (laughs) The servants were so anxious to get down to business. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand how many of you identify with these servants. But I will. Man, I want to go in there and clean up. (laughs) I mean, I want to get it all cleaned and mopped up. I want it right now. That's natural. That's natural. We want to pull the evil weeds out of our world and our society. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do everything possible to keep the light shining. But here's what Jesus said. He said, let them both grow. Let both good and evil exist. Let my children live in the midst of Satan's children. Let my people shine in the midst of darkness. Let my own stand tall among the weeds of this world. Let my children be a rebuke and a testimony to Satan and in order to gather evidence for the day of judgment. And when the time of separation comes, listen to what Jesus said. Mark this in your Bible. He says, My angels, not man, not you, not I, not us, My angels are going to do the judging. You know why? Because our judgment, even at best, is flawed. Which brings me to the fifth part of this story. The two harvests. Look at verse 41. Here's Jesus saying, in effect, that the reapers who are my angels are going to be able to distinguish between the weed and the wheat. They will not make a mistake. First, Jesus said, they're going to gather the weeds. And they're going to bundle them together in bundles. And they're going to gather them. And after they put them together in bundles, they'll be throwing them into the furnace. And then the wheat is going to be gathered. And is going to go into the barn where the landowner is. Praise God. I wanted to watch how quickly the angels... They're going to gather the wheat together. And Jesus said that after the gathering and the bundling of the weeds comes the destruction of fire. Acts 17.31 said that it has been appointed a day in which He will judge the world. All of human history, all of world history has been set toward one day, and that is the day of judgment. Revelation sixteen fourteen said that the final judgment of all the wicked will take place at the great white throne. So what is the weed? The weed symbolizes all of the lost souls who have been deceived by Satan. And they may look like weed, but they really, their heart have never been circumcised. They've never been born of the Spirit of God. And the furnace of fire and the wailing and the gnashing of teeth all describes the horrors of hell. The furnace denotes the fierceness of the torment. The wailing symbolizes the anguish in which these people are going to be in. The gnashing of teeth is a graphic way of describing the state of despair in which they're going to find themselves. Not a very happy thought, is it? I want to talk to you who are we just for a minute. Those who know the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, if you ever understand and comprehend the point of the story, it will radicalize your prayer life. It will radicalize your ministry. It will radicalize your witnessing life. It will radicalize your giving and stewardship life. Why? Because that's what's awaiting all those who don't know the Son of God. Everyone who knows the Lord Jesus ought to commit themselves to reaching out. Those who may have a church membership somewhere, but they have no relationship with God the Son. Every grain of wheat who is hearing my voice at one point was a weed. I was a terrible weed. Sinners can become saints. (laughs) Lost can be found. Children of the devil can become the children of the king of kings. Counterfeit Christians can be true and joyous believers or else none of us would be here today. And the question you must ask yourself this day, number one, am I a wheat or am I a weed? Only you and the Lord can answer that question. If you come to the conclusion that you have been a weed all this time, you really have never committed your life. You never surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said today is the day of salvation. Come to Him today. He's waiting for you.
0: A thought-provoking question to consider. Are you wheat or a weed? If you'd like to speak with a leading-the-way pastor about spiritual things, all you need to do is to fill out a short contact form. It's easy visit ltw.org slash jesus, ltw.org slash jesus. If you'd like to listen again or experience other messages from Dr. Yusuf, visit the audio archives at ltw.org. You can also use the Leading the Way app or listen via our podcast app, ltw.org, to learn more. While you're there, take a moment to learn more about Leading the Way. It's much more than audio messages. It's a ministry with the vision to passionately proclaim uncompromising truth at home and around the world. In fact, let me share an encouragement about how leading-the-way navigators are impacting people around the world. Navigators are solar-powered MP3 players, loaded with content by Dr. Yusuf as well as audio Bibles. They're often referred to as pocket missionaries because of their effectiveness in sharing the gospel. You see, some people are cut off from the gospel due to living in remote areas or in countries where sharing Christ is dangerous or even illegal. But through technology, the gospel is still able to penetrate hearts, even in these areas. Here's a sample of what people hear when they get a navigator with teaching and the Bible in their own language. With
1: all of our innovations, with all of our our creativities, при всех наших творческих решениях. With all of our big talk, we are only one breath away from being dust of the earth. При всех наших заумных разговорах... Learn
0: more about The Navigators and other ministry outreaches today. Click to ltw.org. Or you can also call 1300-133-589. That's 1300-133-589 and ltw.org. Well, plan to join Dr. Youssef next time for more challenging content on Leading the Way. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Connect through television, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and all of the social media networks.